the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky. Joining me, as always, Mike Calabrese and Mike Randall. The Mike and Mike's got a lot to get to today. We will obviously talk some weekend spots, rapid fire. Really light Friday card. Pretty crazy as college basketball betters. It gets like seven games on Friday and 155 on Saturday, but that's the way it works. We will add to our futures portfolio with a little futures round table. But before we get to either of those items, let's talk the week that was. You can go any way with this. I am going to go to Randall first as punishment to Calvary's for recommending the Delta Devils on the earlier week podcast. Uh, Randall, <laughs> what do you got from this week or what do you want to talk about? Remember, this is a safe space. You know what pisses me off most of all? Okay, you're ranting now, baby. Yeah, I'm ranting. Why not? You gotta let it out somehow. It's just college basketball at its best, guys. Per Bet Labs, unranked home t- favorites versus ranked opponents. So you're, you're home and your favorite as an unranked team against a ranked opponent, now 57 and 20 straight up over the past two seasons per Bet Labs. That's a 20% ROI. We saw it last night, Nevada doing it to Colorado State. That's why college basketball is at its best right now. You have those situations, Alabama playing Auburn, so many great examples, and that's why it's fun. That's why the betting is fun. And the other one stuck I'm happy about is Bradley and Indiana State struggled. They didn't cover, but they got to the window, setting up a colossal rematch here after Indiana State won the first one at Bradley on Saturday. So mid-majors are alive. Home teams that are unranked are live as favorites. College basketball, what's better than this? Yeah, I will say that these spot, like uh, a lot of these spots that, you know, I've been talking about since the forum days for 20 years, they are starting to get priced much more efficiently. So uh, I've been, a lot of these times I'm choosing to just roll with money line on these or you have to get them early. Um, I mean, you saw it with Alabama last night. What did the line get out to three and a half? Uh, they still end up covering, but you have to sweat a lot, uh, a layup at the end. I think it got to four and a um, half, man. I think if somebody could have got four and a half. Yeah. That means four and a half. Tough. Yeah. So these, these things are, you know, a sp- like I say this all the time, but a spot even, you know, six, seven years ago where a team would have opened plus three, um, you know, and then closed like one, it's opening pick and closing like minus two and a half. So the market is much more keen to these spots. So I'm, you got to give them early um, and or uh, just go w- with money line in some of these spots where, um, as you mentioned, that what you mentioned was sh- straight up the record. Yep. Um, it's, but some of these lines are going crazy, especially if you wait, they're just, they're just getting steamed out to oblivion. Uh, Randall, I mean, uh, Calabrese, uh, I, your punishment is over for your, your Delta devils. Uh, maybe that's your takeaway from the week that was Miss- Mississippi Valley state can't win basketball games. What do you got? 
Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and do the self-imposed sanctions. I'm not going to bet a SWAC game for at least a week. I'm going to put myself in time out there. But the A-10 coming to my rescue. St. Joe's winning outright against UMass. That was a gutsy win. I think that repositions them to be in the race to be a top four team in the A-10. Gives them some confidence winning on the road. Um, but my main takeaway, I mentioned this on the Monday pod. I was talking about the three-horse race in the SEC between Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. And the big question for Auburn was, can they get any guard play? Well, they go to T-Town. Johnny Broom has 25 and 14. Jalen Williams, 11 rebounds. Cue up the Mike Gundy fart noise from the uh, from his press conference when it comes to the Auburn backcourt because Denver Jones, three for eight, nine points. Holloway goes 0 for two points. And if it wasn't for Baker uh, Mazzara off the bench, you know, shooting three for eight, they would have had no backcourt play whatsoever. They still almost win. And this is the question for me. They shoot 41% as a team against Bama, who we know their defensive deficiencies. Like, can I talk myself into Auburn winning multiple games, getting to the second weekend, being a real threat in a tournament that is so guard-driven? I'm just scared. I'm, I'm just scared of this backcourt. And I, I guess for Holloway, you know, you say he's a freshman. He's going to have games like that. I don't know who's stepping up for Auburn. So that's my my takeaway from the past three or four days that was concerning to me. I thought we were going to learn a lot about the Tigers in that spot. I know it was a situational opportunity for Bama to play better, to get a key win. They did play better on defense, but I think it says more about the Tigers' backcourt issues than necessarily it says about Alabama's ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to see a, just a little bit more from the Auburn guards on the road um, in SEC play. We'll get a couple more opportunities to see them in big games. But I, you know, I, I, I think that, I mean, I don't know if it said more about Auburn. Like Auburn was down, what, 16 in that game, and they couldn't make – they were 1 of 15 from 3 to start. Alabama was, you know, 50% from 3. In a hostile environment, they almost came back and won. So um, I saw some good things, but I think it said a lot about Alabama. Like you were up 16 in that game. You were shooting your – the three-point variance was working in, in your favor, and you almost blew that lead. Um, they still have major questions on defense – I will say with UMass, um, that was one of the the Randall uh, Jinx specials, but they really missed Matt Cross. Uh, and uh, over their their past few games, you can really see that. I'll, I'll a couple takeaways for me. I'm glad that we went this to compliment Randall. We went with Kentucky for the national title, not SEC futures. Obviously, the SEC futures look a lot worse than they lost to South Carolina, but they still have some. They have to still figure – they still have insane upside. So so I like our national title future, but they still have to work out some kinks on defense. They need to get better, and they you can't just – you're not going to win a national title just out – you can't outscore everybody 92 to 88. So they, And they need to just – Cal needs to just figure out the right rotation, uh, the right rotations uh, come March. So I'm glad we went that way, but the Kentucky defense still has – some issues we'll see if, if they gave up 90 on Saturday, we know they're the defense is really in trouble because they play the corpse of Arkansas. Uh, I don't, I mean, Mark didn't play Brazil didn't even play in the second half. They score. I, I don't, what, I don't know what's going on with Arkansas. It is bad. And, um, Oh, I just wanted to get a shot. A team that no one's talking about is, you know, that's now up to like 16th in the country is Dayton. I love, watching Deron Holmes play. Uh, he is one of the best players in the country. I think that he should be an All-American this year. I love watching him play. 
and also Boo Booey. Um, and Boo Booey at home can just drag Northwestern to wins with a huge win over Illinois at home. But let's get to the futures roundtable. I'll sum up what we have so far. We have Texas A&M to get to the final four, 14 to one. That's uh, Team Wade Taylor, drag us there and just get every offensive rebound or maybe make make some shots one game. That would be nice. Um, then we have Houston plus, I think, 220. I think they're minus 130 now to win. That was a, a nice addition. Houston to win the Big 12 regular season. And Kentucky, 20 to 1 to win the national title. So if you're new here, we each bring one future. Could be anything, could be conference, could be Final Four, could be national title. We go around the horn. Everyone makes their case. And at the end, we each vote. If there's a tie, then I will split the tie. Calabrese, we'll go to you first. What are you bringing to the futures roundtable this week? All right. Can I interest you guys in the fighting Illini to make the final four at nine to one? As everyone knows, Shannon Jr. now back incorporated into the lineup, spent one game coming off the bench. Now he's going to be a starter. They're going to be potentially a top five offense with both him on the floor and Damask, who averaged 23 per game with Shannon Jr. out for those four to five games. Overall, what I really like about this team, too, is they've had seven different leading scorers this season, which is the fourth best among power conference teams, according to Evan Maya. So they're not overly reliant on one player to play hero ball. But I do like what I saw at the end of the game where they put the ball into Mass' hand. He ends up missing a shot in the lane that would have been a win over Northwestern. Instead, by losing that game, you still get a decent number close to 10 to 1. And the other reason why I think now is the, the moment to grab them. Between today and March 2nd, they play exactly one Big Ten opponent with a winning conference record, and that's Nebraska at home on February 4th. They go the entire month of February, other than that, without playing a big team, Big Ten team with a winning conference record. So I think they're going to start stacking wins, and you're going to see this number get depressed into the six to seven to one window. And the final piece, I know that Brad Underwood has never made it to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. Well, last year we had somebody who was in the same boat in Dan Hurley, and he won the national title. So I think that's a little bit overblown. I think he has the versatility, the scoring, and with Shannon Jr. back, the overall you know superstar talent to be able to take this team to the next level. So I think at nine to one, this is the time to get in on the fighting line. Yes, certainly have, especially with Shannon, who can get like just from an isolation standpoint in the half court can go up really against anyone and score. So if you're in a drought, um, uh, it's huge having him back. But the the only thing is like, is, or, I mean, we're not going to get into um, like the legal, all the legal bullshit, but uh like, is there a is there a, ch- a chance that he doesn't, you know, he gets like suspended again? Or so that's it's, the only... it seems to me, and like, I we'll, won't play armchair. You know, this isn't uh, courtroom TV. It seems to me, based on the judge's ruling and the reaction by the university and the official statement, that they understand that they can't overstep. Like, they can't suspend him again without something changing materially in his relation with the police or his charges or anything like that. So. At least as is, yeah, and the next court date is in May, so like right. nothing would happen. Precisely. Yeah. So I, I think that does kick the can down the road and leaves him eligible for the remainder of the season. Randall, what do you got? St. John's Red Storm to make the final four. Here is why I'm proposing it now. Right now, you can get them around plus 1,800. First off, this team had the COVID issues. 
players were hurt. Dingle was out. So they had the three game losing streak, but hold on a second. They were 12 and four and four and one before that losing streak. They lost a Creighton away. If you watch that game, they should have won. There was a loose ball foul call that would have secured the game, and they got fouled on the final shot, which they missed. Fine. Creighton away, lost by one. Seton Hall game, Patino's are out right before the game. You can excuse that one. Fine. Marquette at home, they lose by one. They go down to Nova, and they pound them. I've watched them pound Nova twice. I watched them play very well against Connecticut. No clinging. I get that. But this is the time to buy this team. They have Xavier. They have Connecticut at home. If they beat them, these odds are going to skyrocket. I believe there is great chemistry. I know it's narrative street, guys, but there's great chemistry with this team. Patino always gets his teams better, and they're always going to be ready when you get into the tournament. Soriano is praising the guy. They need to improve their shooting. I get that. But they've come through a stretch where players have been out. Patino was out, and they lost three straight games. This team is going to get hot again. I believe they are the second best team in the Big East next to UConn, of course. I'm not buying Seton Hall solid. I get it, but I'm not buying it. I think they're better than Marquette. I think this team is for real. I like St. John's Red Storm. Forget with Creighton. We've discussed them at nauseum. They didn't cover again for me last time as well. St. John's Red Storm to the Final Four. They have the talent. They have the pieces. They have the depth. They have the coach. And right now is a buy-low spot plus 1,800. Uh, so we have a podcast first. Sorry, Calabrese, you're out. Somehow that was my my uh, future. St. John's. I, so uh, you're, yeah, you're no saying script. that the polling, the polling data on me getting this is probably low with both of you <laughs> on the same pick. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't like last time when we had a national title. This is the, I have the exact same pick. You actually can find 20, 24 to one out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love this bet. I was on, I did a podcast, uh, um should have bet more shout out to my guy will hill uh i he asked me who the most underrated team in college basketball is and i i it's a tough question to answer you can you can answer it from many different phases but many different angles i said st john's and you know you had you know, so you had that you know one point loss to marquette one point loss to um to creighton but they also as you mentioned they've recently dealt with covid this is a senior laden team and it was a team that was put together right they didn't have a lot of continuity coming into the year so it's a team that i expect only to get better you have a great tournament coach and then i mentioned the defensive tweak that they made you know and they're going with this like complex matchup zone that morphs into man so what does that do well so far when they've used it it's been very effective but that also makes them extremely difficult to prepare for in a tournament setting and you have a great tournament coach with just seniors all over and you're right especially if they can beat UConn at home and I think they'll have a chance to do so like look at their uh let me pull up their schedule schedule to you know close out the year because there are there are some I mean they got DePaul twice but I mean DePaul DePaul covered finally but you know after Connecticut they got DePaul yeah, then to close the year, it's Georgetown, you know, Seton Hall at home, Providence on the road, Georgetown, Creighton at home, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown again. So, I mean, I agree. This is the time to buy them. Great tournament coach, senior-laden team that I think is only going to get better. And they have this uh, – you know, they, and another thing I like about them is they're not too reliant on shooting. Right. So they, they can they can hit some threes, but they're not a you know an elite shooting team. They don't shoot a ton of them and they get a ton of offensive rebounds. So they're very immune to just 
hey, we had an off shooting night, so we and we get upset by you know the 14 seed. So uh I I really like the St. John's team. So I I will say that Calvary's I did like your case and I like the upside of this Illinois team. So feel free to bring them back for the futures roundtable next well, week. Well, I, I mean, I'll make this easy because at 24 to one, it's a quick rubber stamp from me as well. That number is way too good to pass up on the Johnnies. And even the, the number that Randall brought to the table, I agree with this play, but I have a question for both of you. Either one can answer. You're going to bed with your Felipe Lopez footy pajamas. You're all about St. John's. I get it. Can you, can someone explain to me what's happened with Jordan Dingle? Cause I watched the kid play a ton at Penn and he could fill it up. Is it just confidence issues? Is it something in terms of the rotations? Is it something in terms of the way that they're using him when he's on the floor with Jenkins? He can't score. Like you look at his, his game log and there's so many single digit performances. Cause if he turns into a 14 or 16 point per game scorer, I absolutely think this team has the goods to not only go to the final four, but maybe win the national title with Patino, everything that's stuck laid out in terms of tournament coaching, I think in that format, absolutely true. Are we going to get the dingle that we saw at Penn, even a shadow of that version? Because at this point, like maybe they should be playing him less minutes because he's just not doing it. The game last night, 0 for 5 from 3 against Nova in a game that they didn't need him, but clearly, like, is he a drag on the offense? So I'll pitch it to you guys. Is there anything that can be done to resurrect his performance? I'll I'll go first, Doug. I think the issue with Dingle is that he is trying to fit in, Mike, to this team. I think they are all buying in about being unselfish, maybe to a fault. He was the clear alpha at Penn. Yes, he's moving up now. I get that. But I think he's really overconscious trying to fit in and, and use his role. He will get hot at some point. He will regress. And I think people will start adjusting. I just think he's trying to be part of the group. I mean, they have, what, 10 guys averaging uh, 10 minutes or more per game. So it is a deep rotation. But I think when push comes to shove at the end of the year, he will start to get hot, which goes to Stucky's point, which is why I think they have upside. Good, Stuck. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, whenever he scores in double digits they, this year, they've, they've been really good. And I think that they, you know, part of it is he's stepping up in class, like the physicality of the Big East. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I just think he's still finding his role. They just need a shooting, really. Um, and he has to just find, you know, he, he's, he went from just the guy, like literally at Penn, he would have to create every single time down the court. Right. So he has to just find who he is in this offense. And like, you know, it's, it's really just being an effective role player and someone that stretches opposing defenses and he just needs to settle into that role. Um, And that's, he's going to have opportunity to do it. And that's this St. Johnson. Like I said, they had no continuity. I mean, what were they, let's see on Ken Pomp coming into the year, they were 331st in minutes continuity, ninth in experience. So it's a bunch of seniors, a bunch of guys who have a ton of experience, which you like in March, but they were kind of put together and they all had these different roles in different places, playing different schemes and I mean, they've been better than I think anyone thought so far already. But now, you know, you still have what twelve games in the Big East tournament to to and and they went through a COVID stretch. They went through a stretch where they're changing their defensive scheme. So yeah, I agree. I think he's he's one of those guys that's like an X factor that just will raise their ceiling. Um, and if he can just give them shooting, like if he goes like hits, you know, three goes three of five from three in a game, makes them exponentially more dangerous 
So uh, let's, we're adding St. John's to make the final four. Now we just have to hope it's not, uh, we don't have like St. John's and uh, um, Texas A&M in the same pod to be like 17 trillion offensive rebounds in that game. Um, so yeah, we have Kentucky to make, to win it all. Houston to win the big 12 regular season. Texas A&M to make the final four and St. John's to make the final four. Good luck if you're to us and if you're following along and betting with us at home, let's go Johnny's. This podcast is probably presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Terms conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get to the weekend. Go around the horn here and just mention some spots that you have circled. And when you're out, just let me know. Randall, I'll throw it to you first. What do you got? You know, this is this is a tough one. But, guys, you know how difficult it is to beat and cover against a team twice within your own conference. Let's go tonight. Michigan State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is going to be favored roughly four points, we think, somewhere there. The first time they played, that was when Malik Hall, I believe, was ruled out right before the game on December 5th, and Wisconsin blasted them 70-57. to 57. Now, it's not a perfect metric. It's not a perfect comparison, but you have seen teams bounce back in the second game and play much better than that first matchup. Now, this one is tricky because it is on the road, but I'm taking Michigan State here who hit rock bottom with the loss to Northwestern and then Illinois they beat Rutgers, they beat Minnesota, they beat Maryland, started to get going here, beat Maryland by two away, but they were comfortable in that game. Now they're going to Wisconsin and they're getting points. You're going to give me four points there, and you know how much I like Wisconsin. I just think it sets up as a perfect bounce-back spot where people are going to be overvaluing Wisconsin because they're home. I think this is a veteran Michigan State team. Guards play well. Give me Michigan State plus four points there. I'll take them as underdogs on the road tonight. Like it. Uh, got some Friday night flavor in there. Calabrese, what do you got? I'm going to keep it on Friday nights. Uh, let's go St. Joe's money line over St. Bonaventure. Um, I think the St. Joe's team it's is not turned... broken. Don't fix it. Exactly. And you know what is broken? The Bonnie's offense. They're one four in their last five straight up. In those losses, they're averaging 59 points per game. They needed Charles Pride to come in and be a 20 point per night scorer. When he's done that four times this year, the three and one straight up, but he's only done it four times the entire season. They continue to struggle on the glass. They make up for it by turning teams over a lot. They turn over uh, opponents on almost 18% of their possessions. But St. Joe's, I just think, when I look at what they did in that last win over UMass, not only did they win, but they did it without relying only on the three-point shot. Yes, they're still taking 29 threes per game, which is top 10 nationally, but they only took 19 on Tuesday night and made nine of them. Eason Doko has been critical inside. He had three blocks and two steals. He's coming into his own a little bit. And Reynolds finally pulled out of his slump. He had the confidence. He scored 31 on 17 shots. I think that's the the pivotal moment of their entire season. And the St. Bonaventure team, other than turning this into a rock fight, I don't think that they have a path to victory. So I'll go ahead with St. Joe's. Anything on plus money, I'd love to have the Hawks on the road. When Calvary's talks the Hawks, you always listen. Uh, I I'll, I think that we're probably going to catch – I think we're, we'll probably catch a little bit too many points with LSU against Alabama. Uh, I mean, I talked about it earlier. Alabama, 
they had everything go right in that game. It was a great spot. You're at home. You're making all your threes. Auburn couldn't make threes, and you barely hold on. They still have problems on defense. LSU's playing better of late, come up short in a couple games, but they've been playing better since Cook came back. He's still trying to find his role. But Alabama won't turn you over. And that's when LSU's offense just really runs into problems if you could turn them over because they do turn it over too much. But if, if they don't turn it over, they can score. Uh, their defense is pretty good. Bad spot for Alabama, just like an emotional letdown. So I think we'll catch too many points with LSU here in the double-digit range. So I'll be looking to fade that Alabama defense having to try to cover a big number in a bad spot. And it's not, not a terrible matchup for LSU. Randall? Almost brought this one to the futures. Guys, I'm staying with Miami. Pittsburgh is going to Miami on Saturday. Now, everybody wants to jump on Miami. Well, hold on a second. They played Syracuse without Omir inside. That's a big difference. Lost in overtime at Wake Forest. Very difficult without Poplar. So they've had players, key players, in and out of the lineup. This is a veteran team. They are still shooting well on the season, although they have not been great in ACC competition. I don't believe in Pittsburgh. I don't believe in their offense. Uh, I love laying points against teams on the road who cannot make free throws. Pittsburgh is 66% in the conference this year, 68% on the season. I like Miami. It's going to be a low number because you have a Pittsburgh team that beat Duke away without some key players. Georgia Tech away. Congratulations with that. I don't believe in Pittsburgh. I don't believe in Capel. He got his win against Duke. And now Miami comfortably won that game at Notre Dame. I know nobody cares. It's Notre Dame. I understand that. But they're still a talented team. Brought back a lot of players from last year. Omir came back inside. You have a great coach. They shoot well. They make their free throws. They're home. This number projects to be around four. I'd lay seven, eight in this game. I think Miami comes out and pounds Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh can score enough to keep up with Miami at home, who is really one of the best teams early in the season besides the blitz loss to Kentucky. They were playing well. I think they get it right here, and I'm going to lay the points against Pittsburgh. Buying on the Miami bounce back. Cowboys, what do you got? Uh, revenge spot. James Madison going to App State. I like JMU on the money line here. Listen, the Mountaineers, they're all about defense. One of the very best mid-major defenses in the country. I can run it down. They're fifth in opponent shooting efficiency. They, they never send teams to the foul line, which is something I generally love. Less than 14 attempts per game for their opponents, and they close out possessions. They're ninth in defensive rebounding. But if you watch their win over JMU, they won 59-55 in a rock fight. I think they were down with like two minutes to go. It was like 50 Exactly. 51. And they blew a 16-point first-half lead, and this is why I'm fading him here. I'm just not going to deal with the scoring lulls. The Mountaineers scored four points in the final nine minutes and 17 seconds of the first half. Like, that is not a typo. That is not a mistake. That is actually how they performed in a game that they won. I just see the Dukes bouncing back, shooting better. Terrence Edwards has got to play better. But TJ Bickerstaff as well, I think, has more left in the tank offensively. Edwards had six turnovers in that first game, and Bickerstaff only had six points. I see a correction towards you know their average performance on both of those stats. And I think JMU, even if it ends up closing you know, basically as a pick, I still like the Dukes in this game. I think you're going to get plus money on it. And I think this is a nice bounce back revenge spot for them. They have to make some threes. They didn't. I don't think they, they shot horrendously in that um, in that first meeting. But uh, if, as long as they can make some threes here, um, I have a ton of respect for Dustin Kearns, and they can really defend the rim. But yeah, JMU should be right in this game. That that should be a good one. Uh, speaking of App State, who beat Auburn at home, they lost at Northern Illinois earlier this season. Who's six and twelve? They are winless in the MAC. They're going on the road to Ball State. 
They're the only winless team. I think we'll get a little inflated number. I mean, the Mac home court, unless it's like Kent State, you know, Akron fans fighting each other is nothing, especially in a meaningless late January Saturday game. This Northern Illinois still has some talent on offense. Ball State uh, can't defend. And Northern Illinois had the number one strength of conference schedule. They have, uh, you know, a top 80 overall schedule. Ball State has played, I mean, their conference, their overall strength of schedule is 345th. Um, I, you know, they just crushed Buffalo. Buffalo, by the way, is a disaster. The Buffalo used to be a profe- respectable program. Especially I mean, they home. are. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are two and 16. And one of the wins came against Roberts Wesleyan, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not buying into ball state here. I think this game, game is one possession ish game. It's a good time to buy Northern Illinois. So some action with, uh, the Huskies, the winless Huskies on the road. I actually think they get the outright win. Randall? Last one for me, guys. Let's go to the Ivy League. I like Cornell here at home on Saturday against Princeton. You know, I once dated a couple guys from Cornell. They were really nice. They gave me a ride home. I seriously doubt that anyone from Cornell dated you. It's pronounced Colonel. It's the highest rank in the military. It's pronounced Cornell. It's the highest rank in the Ivy League. They're going to be getting points. I think they're the better team. Prince has been great all year, but Cornell is battle-tested, has played some tough games, decent competition here, has looked good. They didn't lose away at Baylor, but that was a tough game. They shoot threes well. They're great inside the arc. They force a lot of turnovers. I just like the fact that I'm getting points. I mean, could Princeton eke it out? Sure. But you're going to give me three points, maybe even four points here with Cornell at home. Cornell has beaten Princeton at home, I believe, three of the last four times they've played. Little Ivy League. We got three teams tied atop of the Ivy League with Princeton, Yale, and Cornell. And Princeton here, not only Cornell on Saturday, following week he go, they go to Yale. They play Yale. So I'm going to go with Cornell here against Princeton in Ivy League action on Saturday. Got some idea in there. Calvary's Cal got anything left? I'm going to go to a conference I never really picked from. Just kidding. The A-10, one more time. Dayton laying two at Richmond's. Stuck brought him up. This team is an absolute wagon. 13 straight wins, 8-5 and five against the spread in that stretch. Their three-point shooting, mega elite, 7th nationally, 40%. And it complements Holmes perfectly because his play has just been off the charts. He's the 10th-rated player in America by game score efficiency ratings. And since December 9th, he's averaging 23.5 points, nine boards, and three and a half stocks. But this is the, the stat that I love the most. He's only gotten into foul trouble twice since, since September 9th. But even playing with four fouls, he played 36 minutes against UMass and 35 minutes against Troy. When your best player is also a big in college basketball with only five fouls to go around, you have to be able to play and adjust your game when you have foul trouble to stay on the floor. He always does that. Now, you got Richmond playing at home. They're 6-1 and one in the 8-10. But half of their Can they wins- stop Jordan King? Can they stop Jordan King is the question. Precisely. He has gone off three times in the last five games, 31 against Mason, 24 against Davidson, 32 against George Washington. But I think this Dayton defense is really good. They're 20th in opponent shooting efficiency. I think they're going to be able to at least keep him in check so he doesn't score in the 30s, because I think that's what it's going to require for the Spiders to beat a Dayton team that outside of that point guard position, they're better at every position on the floor. So I'll take the Flyers as a short favorite on the road. Uh, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to that game. Um, I'll throw out two. I'll, I'll give you. I'll make you guys just p- you you pick one, which one you like better. Um, just for the listeners at home, do would you feel more comfortable betting on? And I guess I'll use we'll use Ken Palm projected spreads. 
Would you feel more comfortable betting on Ohio State plus three at Northwestern? Um, was you know hoping that we get a little bit more, but um, you know after that big win, they have no depth. By the way, Northwestern plays you know plays five guys basically who all played like forty five minutes in that game. Uh, against Ohio State, who I think matches up decently. And I just don't like North- – Northwestern is not a team I ever want to bet in the favorite role. Um, I mean, this is also a team you got to remember that lost to Chicago State at home. So I'll be looking at Ohio State. Would like to get a little more than that. but um, And then do we trust Oregon at home against Arizona – Projected spread here is seven, but it's a great spot. Probably open last. It depends. Both these teams play tonight, I believe. Um, I'm aware their transition D is not does not grade out well, which scares me against Arizona. But this is an Arizona team who we've seen on the road, and you know they lost FAU on a neutral. They lost to Purdue on a semi-neutral. We've seen them lose at Washington, at Stanford. It's, it's, not, it's not been the same team away from home since that Duke game early in the year. Oregon has had guys, you know, you have Dante back now, which just makes them uh, a different team overall. They've had guys in and out. They've had so many injuries that I think that they're a little undervalued in the market. I think they're the second best team in the Pac-12. Home smash spot against Arizona. Might depend on what happens tonight in uh, the Pac-12, but those are two that I was looking at that might, you know, some might be like, oh, I don't want to pull the trigger. I think the only question, forget about Ohio State. Put Ohio State aside. The only real question is, you go in Moneyline in Oregon or the points? Because I do think situationally it's great. Them getting healthy, I think this is the last time you're probably going to get a nice sweet number on them. So I don't know. I I think it may be time to roll the dice and have like a marquee season-defining win. Somebody has to step up into that second and third role in the Pac-12, and I think this is their moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll I'll have some sprinkled, and maybe they'll hit the round robin. Uh, the Saturday round, Robin Randall. Yeah, I like both spots. I think they're great. You know, I kind of like Oregon State tonight. Was it 17 points? I mean, there's something crazy like that. Arizona, very shaky to me. I do not see them as an elite team. We're still living off the win over Duke and the back-to-back 100-point games at home against Belmont UT Arlington. Whenever you're going to Caleb Love as your main person, I think it's questionable here. I love the spot for Oregon. They're finally healthy. They played well against Utah there. That's a tough trip. Bounce-back spot. Yeah, I and the points are going to be huge. I like both of them because I also think Northwestern is going to be overvalued here, especially with Northwestern. Don't they have Purdue after this, after that game? Northwestern? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I th- I love both stuff, to be honest with you. I play them both. And, and the last piece here, like, what's wrong with Kylan Boswell? He had, in two of his last three games, he scored zero against Washington State and three against UCLA. Like, that's not going to cut it. That's not the player I thought he was going to be. Certainly, he started the year with, looks like, seven of his first eight games in double digits. I, I thought that was the player we were going to get the whole way and someone who's facilitating a lot of offense. I mean, 25 points or 25 minutes against Wazoo, zero points, zero assists. Like alarm bells have to be going off in a, particularly in a Tommy Lloyd offense that's tailor made for you to generate and facilitate offense. So I, I just, I don't understand what's happened to him. Yeah. Uh, I will, I, I'll throw one other one. We'll go, let's go to the Valley, Missouri State, double overtime win over Drake. Now, you know, before playing Southern Illinois, they go to Valpo and, 
I'm still not a believer in this Missouri State team. And by the way, on the road this year, you know, they blew a lead against West Virginia. They, you know, got blown out by Drake. They lost to Middle Tennessee, who's horrendous. They cannot score. They lost to Tulsa. Um, they did beat St. Mary's on the road, but that's it. I mean, their road numbers are very discouraging. But this is a Valpo team that had to – I mean, it was a brand new team, no experience, extremely young, no continuity, and is playing a little better of late. They've won two of four. Um, you know, they were they lost a close game at Evansville. They lost a close game at SIU. They won at Illinois State. They beat Illinois Chicago at home. They're playing a lot better. It's a team that's like kind of rounding into form. So I think it's a good spot to buy them against Missouri State. Calabrese, anything else in the SWAC or A10 that you want to mention? No, I think I emptied the barrel on the A10. And yeah, well, I'll, I'll put the SWAC on the back burner. Maybe maybe hit them up for a conference tournament week in six weeks. All right, good stuff there. Randall, nothing else from you? No, good to go, man. Thanks. Uh, all right, that'll do it for us. Got some weekend flavor, some rants of the week, and then we added a St. John's to get to the Final Four ticket. So good luck if you're riding along at home but thanks for tuning in i will do monday episodes i will do giveaways so a couple extra days to get five star reviews in you can say whatever you want they really help us out uh make sure we'll do giveaways get send send out some gear make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe tell a friend tell an enemy appreciate everyone tuning in thanks as always to mike and mike for joining me thanks to our producer david on the back end good luck this weekend with all of your wagers we will be back on Monday with the weekend recap and Monday, Tuesday, look ahead. Guys from the three-man weave, as always, will be back on Wednesday. We have uh, big bets on campus live shows coming up on Saturday mornings. More details to come on those, so stay tuned on X or Twitter. But thanks for tuning in again. Good luck this weekend on all of your wagers, and we will see you on Monday. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.